was praying and just meditating upon the Lord. And somehow I turned something on YouTube and I heard three, three phases, three statements. It said, and I never could find out anything else what this minister was talking about, but it really rang a bell with me. You know, he said something about it's time for us to <clears throat> reconnect, to recharge, and to redirect. Now, I'll put that last one in there. But it's time for God's people to start acknowledging God, acknowledging his presence. He said, in all of your ways, acknowledge me, and I'll direct your path. We go around like we're lost because we're moving according to the natural mind, according to what it tells us to do and the natural man leads us to do. But it's time that we acknowledge him in all of our ways. And the word says he will direct our path. I think sometimes we get too familiar with the spirit and the presence of the Lord. I believe that it's time that we break the power of familiarity. Amen. We become so familiar by coming into the presence of the Lord uh, that we lose our reverence, uh, we lose our respect, amen? <laughs> and we just go on as if he is a nobody, but he's in our midst, uh, even though we may not always feel him. Uh, we may not always feel the goosebumps. Uh, we might not always feel a shout, uh, but he said, I'll be with you. He said, when you come together, when two or three come together in my name, he said, that I will be in the midst. I feel and I agree with Wayne what he felt God told him today. I feel God is about to move. There is a stir going on in the realm of the spirit uh, and we must get in, amen, uh, and receive, uh, move with the spirit of God. Uh, if we don't, we're going to be left behind. The church is going to move on. The church will not be defeated. It's time that we take our place. I've been so stirred, so stirred in my spirit because we neglect to respect and to reverence the presence of our God when he's in our midst and he's always with us. Praise the Lord. You know, in Revelation, Jesus speaking to the church of Ephesus, and he said, I'm somewhat against you. He said, because you've left your first love. Now, he just got through telling them uh, uh, how he acknowledged them for their works. He acknowledged them for their labor, for their patience, and, and how they couldn't bear those that are evil. Uh, he, he said, you've been very patient, and you've labored, and you haven't fainted. But then he comes back, and he said, but nevertheless, uh, you've left your first love. You know, I believe that it's time that we realize uh, that we aren't where God wants us to be. And we aren't where uh, some of us used to be. Amen. God still reigns. Uh, he still sits on the throne. Uh, his word is still working. Uh, and he wants to work in us. Praise the Lord. But he told them. He said, remember from where you're fallen and repent. He said, do your first works over. 
I think maybe some of us need to start doing. Remember when we first got saved? We were so excited. I mean, we were full of the Spirit of God, the love of God. We couldn't wait to tell people. I remember when I first got Spirit-filled, uh, I had a, a brother-in-law that lived across the highway from me. And I remember he came over, and I couldn't wait to tell him how I felt. And, and I tried to explain to him how I felt. I was new in this, but I felt the Spirit of the Lord. And I was trying to explain to him what I felt. It's inexplicable. Amen. As the song says, hey, it's full of glory, but it's joy unspeakable. Sometimes we just can't explain whenever we get filled with the spirit of the living God. And God wants us to reconnect. He wants us to be restored. Joel said, I will restore that which the locust and the palmer worm and the caterpillar has eaten. And we're in a time uh, that God is restoring, so we need to let him restore us. We need to reconnect, though. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I had on my heart now for a while about how we come together and we, well, I'll bring you to the scripture. It's found over in Luke. And I'll probably go into several, scripture, into several scriptures today. But let's look over in Luke, um, chapter 7. That's where we're going to read from. Amen. I think we'll just look at most of the whole chapter there. Well, not the whole chapter, but from 37. Chapter uh, 7, verse 37, and we'll look from there on. It says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. And when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus went on talking about the certain creditor, which had two debtors, and how um, he forgave them both, and he wanted to know what, which one they thought loved him most. And anyway, they went through that. And then in verse 44, and he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, you see this woman, he said, he said, I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the, head, the hairs of her head. Said, he said, you didn't give me a kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to, to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And he told her, arise and go in peace. This woman honored Jesus by anointing him with the oil. And we all know the story of the alabaster box. Amen. But, you know, the Bible, she did what she could. She did what she could. 
She did what the others, the others had been with him for years, did not do. If we want to see the moving of the Spirit, we're going to have to honor him. We're going to have to reverence him. We're going to have to acknowledge him. And we're going to have to worship him. We all know. I'm not telling you anything today that you don't all know. But God dwells in the presence of his people. He inhabits his, I mean the praises. He inhabits the praises of his people. So this old woman comes when he's there in the house. And she honored him by anointing him with the oil, with something that was very valuable to her. Sometimes it takes a lot. Sometimes we may not feel like worshiping. We may not feel like praying. We may not feel like testifying. But you know what? We're going to have to bring flesh under subjection and move into the realm of the spirit that God is and has been calling us into. So she took something that was really valuable. She took the best that she had to offer, and she willingly poured it out as an act of worship. Praise God. You know, uh, I think it was Matthew. Matthew said that she poured it up on his head, and I think Mark said that, she poured it upon his head. But Luke and John says she anointed his feet and she dried his feet with her hair. What worship, what adoration she had for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. She recognized who he was. Even though she was a sinner woman, she came in and she worshiped him. I just kind of wanted to share that with you this morning. It's time that we recognize, that we reverence, we respect, and we honor him. Amen. He's here. Praise the Lord. You know, I started on a message a while back and just never did really get into it, how he is here, and he has been here. And so many times we don't recognize him. As I said, we become too familiar with him. You know, this old woman, she gave... I, I kind of did a little research, and we all know this is something that's been taught all of our lives, but she gave him something that was very important, uh, very uh, valuable to her. Uh, it was about one year's wages for the common laborer to purchase the ointment or the perfume that she used. The alabaster box, the alabaster was a stone, translucent stone still used to make ornamented jewelry boxes and other items of value. The spikenard was a very precious perfume imported from India, and it was made from plants that grow in the high elevation of the Himalaya mountains. This was also mentioned in the Song of Solomon. But she honored him. What is honor? What does honor mean? What does it mean to you? Does it just mean, mean just to say a few words and say I love you and go on your way? Or you look great, you know, or something. You're doing a good job. No, honor is more than that. It's to demonstrate high respect or great esteem for someone, great value for someone. Amen? There's a scene in heaven. <laughs> Amen. We're... Jesus is worshipped continually, all the time, all the time. The creatures that were created just 
far worship Christ. Holy, holy, holy. Amen. But you know, I was reading over, I think it's Malachi. It says, a son honoreth his father, and a servant honoreth his mother. He said, but where is my honor? You remember a long time ago, they had a song, uh, What's Wrong With My People? Why Won't They Praise Me? I've given them everything, but they have no joy. You remember? Y'all remember that song, Marcy? I know y'all do, probably. But what's wrong with my people? Why won't they praise me? I've given them everything. You know, we need to ask God to give us the joy back. We need the joy of the Lord. Amen. That joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Praise God. But my heart was really touched when I thought about this little woman. I mean, she came in and gave him everything that she had. God will not share his throne with another. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so many times, I guess my main point is today, let's acknowledge him. Let's worship him. Let's bow down before him. Bow our hearts down, not just our knees, uh, but bow our hearts before him and worship him. We started talking uh, a while back about um, I had shared when I was seeking the Lord and asking him what, what is the uh, mind of God and uh, what would you say to us at this season in ministry? What would you say to us at this season of life? And that's when the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to be acknowledged and I want to be recognized. That's what he said. Amen. You know, he's still standing out the door and he's still knocking. He's trying to make his way in. And sometimes we just close the door on him. And he said, I'll come in and I'll sup with him and he with me. And that's exactly what it wants us to do is to have that fellowship with him. Fellowship with Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's sweet fellowship. Fellowship means to, to, to eat with him, to fellowship with him, to share and participate of the same things, to dine with him. That's what he wants from his people. It's not a one-way thing. We have a part to play. Amen. John 15 and 15 says, and we shared this before, and if I'm repeating, it's okay. Sometimes we need to hear the word over and over again anyway. But um, he said, I, he said I, don't, I don't call you servants. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant, he doesn't know what his master's doing. He said, but I call you friends because I've made known to you everything that... I heard from my father. That's John 15 and 15. Praise the Lord. You remember when uh, Abraham, the Bible says Abraham gave into his concubines gifts. But you know what? Into his true seed, he gave it all. Abraham gave his all to his true seed, Isaac. Sometimes we're happy with just gifts. But you know what? We're, the, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says no good thing will he withhold from us if we walk up rightly before him. Praise the Lord. I was reading also when Jesus was in this particular house and he was ministering the word. I believe he was healing the sick and uh, cleansing the lepers, speaking life and hope to a people that were desperate for him and we remember the story and it's found over in mark chapter two we might be skipping around a little bit but we're going to get the word 
Mark chapter 2. Um, when, I'm just going to kind of go over that just a minute. He was in this particular house, and the word began to spread. The house was full. No one else could get in. Jesus was ministering to the people there. The people were packed around the windows. They pressed in around the doors. The yard was filled. They were straining to hear the word of God. You can look over and mark uh, and read that. Mark chapter 2, if you want to later on. But nobody else could get in the house. And along came a man that was sick, and he was carried by his four friends. Remember that story? This man was paralyzed. He couldn't bring himself to Jesus. It took four men to carry him, and he was unable to get there by himself. But he had to get to Jesus. He had heard that Jesus could help him if he could just get to Jesus. Uh, but we know what happened when he got there. I mean, everybody was surrounded the place. They couldn't get in. The doors were jammed, and nobody could get in. To get in. Nobody else could get in. But he knew that Jesus was in the house. He could just press in. If he could just reach him. If he could just get there. If he could just talk to him and seek him. If he could just say, Lord, heal me. That's what he needed to do, but he couldn't get in the house. There was an obstacle in the way. There was something between him and Jesus, but Jesus was in the house. The sick man was on the outside, and he was unable. He was unable to look in and see what Jesus was doing. Praise God. You know, Jesus is in the house, and we are able because, thank God, we were able to get in. We're able to get in. And Jesus is here, and he wants to minister. There are obstacles that will come in between us and God. There are problems that will occur, and uh, there's all kind of hindrances that's trying to block our way and say, no, don't you go in. No, don't you make contact. There's an enemy out there, and he's trying his best to keep us uh, a distance from the Lord. But Jesus says the door is open. All you have to do is come in. Amen? It's not always convenient. Not always convenient, praise God. Not always the right time. But the power of God was present to heal that day. Only one man was recorded as being healed during that time. I don't know what happened to all the others, but just being in, in the same house, just being in the same place, and this is what I want to say, this is not enough. Just being in the house where Jesus is, just being in the presence where Jesus is, is not enough. Amen? We must touch him. We must open up. We must allow him to come in and do his thing. Praise God. Praise God. So these four men were determined that they were going to get this man to Jesus, and we know that they did. You know, back in the beginning, we know that Adam and Eve had fellowship with Jesus. We all know the story about in the garden. But, you know, along came the enemy, and he messed things up, didn't he? But I'm so glad that Jesus came back. The Bible says that a flaming sword and a cherubim was placed at the entrance of the Garden of Eden to keep the way, and no man could get in. But I'm so glad when Jesus came, he removed that. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. And we can come in. He's the only way, amen, that we can get in. So anyway, one day Jesus came. And he opened the way. And I thank God for that. So now Jesus is no longer distant. He's no longer far away. He's no longer hard to find. Amen. 
He's no longer untouchable. He's right here and he's in our midst. And I want to encourage us today to reach out. Open up. Take down your spiritual umbrella and let Jesus reign on us today. Amen. Praise God. You know, there's a difference in touching Jesus and, and thronging him. And I'm not going to get into that. Praise the Lord. But anyway, um, he's here. He's with us. Praise God. Another thing that I thought about was over in Genesis 28, 16, 10 through 16. God is in this place, and I knew it not. Praise God. Jesus represents himself as the ladder by which God's revelation comes to the world. Amen. I want to read this to you, and I'm not going to continue on. I know I'm jumping from scripture to scripture, but it all ties in. It all ties in. Amen. Luke chapter 19. Uh, let's look at verse 41, and we'll read on down the ways there. Luke 19, 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and thou shalt not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Amen. And he went into uh, the uh, temple. Um, let me get this here. And begin to cast out them that sold therein and them that um, that bought. Praise the Lord. Anyway, the point that I wanted to bring out here is Jesus. You know, Jesus had been doing mighty miracles. That's after the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And he had been doing mighty miracles. Amen. And when he came, He warned the people. He ministered to the people, and he warned them. And he said, if you had known, even you, at least in this day, the things which belong to your peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. And he warned them about what would happen. And this is something, and we can liken it to today. Praise God. He beheld the city. The Bible says he wept, and we looked at that a little bit. He wept so hard. There was a heaving. It was lamentation. It wasn't just a few tears that he shed. Amen. But he said he beheld the city and he wept because they knew not the time of their visitation. Jesus, knowing that the people and their leaders expect a political Messiah and will ultimately reject him as God's promised Messiah. He weeps in pity for the people who will suffer terrible judgment. He wept. He wept. Amen. As God reveals not only his own feelings, but also the feelings of God over the lostness of their salvation. The crowd believed uh, that 
the Messiah would restore Israel in the natural. Amen. They failed to understand his purpose of coming into the world. Some, the same people that welcomed him later cried, crucify him, crucified him. Jesus' prediction was fulfilled 40 years later when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman army and thousands of Jews were killed. Unprecedented judgment came on the Jews. Now, I want us to hear this. Unprecedented judgment came on the Jews just four decades after the Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. Their capital city was destroyed. The nation was obliterated. Jews were scattered throughout the earth for 19 centuries. Over a million were crucified by the sadistic Romans until, listen to this, until there were no trees left in the land to build any more crosses. The suffering was intolerable. All of it could have been avoidable if they had just recognized the time of their visitation. Folks, there's a message in this. There's a message in this. If they had just recognized the time of their visitation. Just as Jesus predicted the destruction then, Jesus is saying to the world today, just in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I believe that not only America's visitation is quickly coming to an end, but I believe worldwide. I believe that Jesus is coming soon, just as he said he would. You know, the same Jesus that went away will come in like manner. He's coming back, and he's warned us, and he's shared with us, and he's given us his heart. He's given us his all, and he still works today. I know that once Calvary was over, and he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and said, it's all finished. But you know what? The Bible says that he now sits at the right hand of the Father, and he makes intercession for you and I. He didn't quit on us, even though the supreme sacrifice was paid. He didn't quit on us. He still looks down upon us today, uh, and he sees, uh, amen, the needs in our lives, uh, and he recognizes, hey, hey, my church uh, needs to come in alignment with my word, uh, for the greater uh, will be the last. Amen. I believe the church that Jesus is coming back after is going to be so much greater than the former. He wants to present himself real and strong and powerful to a world today. And in the meantime, while we're waiting on his return, uh, folks, uh, let's allow God to condition us. And he'll do that uh, by sending his spirit, uh, by his presence being with us. Let's let him do it. Let's surrender our all to him and say, God, I'm yours. I give myself wholeheartedly to you. I won't hold back. It's time. Let's not. Let's not 
let this time pass us by without taking advantage. Very seldom in so many churches today, you hear a few people of people getting born again, getting spirit filled, but God's about to do some things again. I believe that this is a time while we're waiting that God is in the restoration business. Uh, God is in the healing business. Amen. Uh, God is moving by his power. He is conditioning his church. Uh, he's preparing his church. Amen. Uh, for a bride uh, that's without spot and blemish uh, to come back after really, really soon. Hallelujah. He tells us to watch. He says, if you had only known, but now it's hidden from you. The opportunity was missed for the peace. Amen. Hallelujah. He's preparing his people and he's equipping his people. And again, with the Elijah anointing, great power will be manifest. We will see signs and wonders. I know we've heard about it. We've read about it. And some of us uh, have been privileged to experience uh, the power of God in manifestation. Uh, we have witnessed God uh, do miracles. Uh, we've witnessed him uh, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils. Uh, we've witnessed a mighty move of God. Uh, but it's nothing like we're about to see. Prepare. Let God restore. Reconnect. Amen. Recommit. I'm talking to you from my heart. I guess I'm more serious than what every day with Jesus gets sweeter than the day before. But every day with Jesus, I feel a greater urgency in my spirit that we get serious about this thing. I feel more urgent to tell people it's time and now's the time. It's high time. Hallelujah. I love you today. I'm just sharing my heart with you. It's serious times, folks. But you know what? God wants to restore the joy. He wants it because we have to have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I know that you have experienced it. And I know especially over the last few years I've experienced, well, I could go back, way back. <laughs> but the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the joy of the Lord will keep us. People might look at you like, hey, what's wrong with this person? That's not normal. Oh, but it is for a Christian because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he's right there with us. He's our strength. He's our keeper. Amen. He makes our way perfect. He makes our feet like Hans' feet. And he causes us to ride up on high places in God. Music